So turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 10 through 15. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 15. Yes, sir. Tom, Tom, and a splash. Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> chapter 10 through, or verse 10 through 15. Carson, I love you. I do. I love you, my friend. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. <laughs> All right. Beginning in verse 10, this is how it reads. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what I take that to mean? If you don't put on the whole armor of God, you may not be able to stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You can be seated this morning. If you remember over the past few weeks, we've been studying about the reality of this um, great spiritual war that we're in. The reality of this invisible warfare that we are partaking of each and every day. The reality of the battle that takes place between the forces of evil and the, the, the forces of, of goodness. And that battlefield is inside of us in our hearts and in our minds. And, and we've been having our eyes open to see just how real this thing is. We've learned that this war began when Lucifer, who was the most beautiful and the wise cherub, decided that he wanted to be God. His exact words were, I will lift my throne above the throne of the Most High. And I will be the Most High. And he has been trying to gain followers ever since that day. And he has drew a third of the angels with them to follow him. And then ultimately he convinced mankind to reject the authority of God and ultimately submit to him. And now today this war is still going on to keep us blinded so that we cannot see the truth and turn and submit unto God and be saved. But instead he keeps us blinded so that we will follow him and continue to reject the authority of God. If you've been a Christian very long, you've experienced this in your life already. You feel this war going on inside of you every single day. If you've been a Christian for more than just a few minutes, then, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you just haven't paid attention to what it really is, that it's a spiritual warfare that's going on. 
Paul described this war, as, and I've told you in the last two messages, but I'm going to tell you again. Paul described this war as the, uh, the, the man who, inside of me, I want to do what is good. But for some reason, I have this draw and this desire to go after those things that I know are not good. That is the war that he is talking about. And he's saying that only one person can save us from this man that chases after things that are not of God and that is Jesus Christ and following Him. That is the only thing that can save us from it. So Paul understands this warfare that he's talking about right here. He's experienced it personally. But in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, he tells us, he says, Brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Here's the first thing I notice here. Paul understands that there is great danger in you becoming weak. Did y'all hear me this morning? I'm going to have to get y'all's attention. There is great danger in this war that you fight every day of you growing weak. Anna gave a testimony a few weeks ago about how she won a battle in choosing to do what is good. But how many of you know that that battle wore her down while she was fighting it? And the next one she may not feel as strong and may not feel like that she can overcome this one. So Paul tells us there is a danger of you growing weak in this battle. So he says, here's the remedy. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So I ask a simple question. How do we be strong in the Lord? How do we be strong in the power of His might? Well, let me give you an example. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Y'all ain't got to turn there. I'm going to put it up here for you. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through 37. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Who are we talking about here? David and Goliath. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine. You are not able to fight with him, for you are just a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Well, let me put this in terms that you might understand it. You are not able to fight against Satan, because you are just a human being fallen in your flesh. And he is a great deceiver is a great warrior of this war from his youth. You are not able to go and fight against this Lucifer, this Satan. You cannot win this fight because you are just a fallen human being. This is what he just said to him. For next verse. But David said to Saul, here's your response to that. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, guess what he did? I went out after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Now at this point, you would think David is saying, guess what? I am strong. That's what you would think, right? All right, but that's not what he's saying. Keep reading with me. Verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. But we're not done. Go on next verse. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. 
David did not rely on his own strength, but instead, when the lion come and took his sheep, he said, the Lord is going to give that back to me. And he went, he killed the lion. When the bear come, I take this verse to actually mean, look what it says. It says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. If you actually go back and read where he's telling the story of it again, you'll see that what David actually done is he literally went out there and he spanked the bear. Don't do this, bear. And took the sheep out of his mouth and took it back to the fold. Little old David, and now he says, I stand before this great giant. You may tell me I'm not able. Guess what? I'm not. But he is. And that is the same kind of power that you must rely on. You must fight this fight every day and remind yourself, the Lord will deliver me and give me victory in this battle. And that's where you get your strength to keep fighting for it. You believe God and God will make you victorious. Paul also understands that there is great danger of falling in this battle. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. Stand. In other words, there is danger of you falling in this battle. Paul had seen many fall. So he tells the Ephesians, you have to make sure that you be careful and put on what God has for you to protect you, to keep you from falling. He says that without this spiritual armor, without the weapons of God, you will get knocked down. It is inevitable. Without God's weapons, this is not a physical war that your strength can fight. Without putting on what God supplies, you will get knocked down. There ain't no way around it. That right there, Paul is trying to open our eyes to show us this is important to you. So he says, take up the whole armor of God so that you will be able to withstand Satan. And after you've done all you can do to just stand and not be knocked down. So he says in verse 14, stand therefore. And have your waist girded, or I interpret that to mean be ready. When Jesus told his disciples to gird your waist so that you may open to me immediately when I come, I take it to mean when he says gird your waist, he means be ready. Always be ready, and you be ready with truth. And I believe what he's talking about here is the same thing Jesus talked about in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, where he said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Satan uses trickery. He uses lies. And he uses anything he can convince you opposite of the truth to get you deceived into following him. So listen to the words of Jesus one more time. If you abide in my word. What does that mean? If you remain in my word. Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know what the problem is? Can I be straight with you this morning? I just, I, it's my Sunday school class tell you I'm just in a straight kind of mood this morning. All right, Just pour it out there. You know the truth of the matter is this. Most of us are here this morning because we want God to be okay and line up with what we believe is right. 
Most of us are here this morning, and like I talked about last week, we want God to be okay with racism. Oh, yeah. We'll get in here this morning and we'll actually preach you a sermon about how uh, the, the birds and the bees and all this and that and we'll find a way to make God okay with what we have been trained to believe. I just in a straight kind of mood this morning so y'all just stay straight with me for a little bit. We'll come in here and we'll find a way for God to be okay with homosexuality. We'll come in here this morning and we'll find a way for God to be okay with broken relationships. We'll find a way for God to be okay with what is going on in my life. And you know what the fact of the matter is? He ain't okay with it. He's far from okay with it. And you know why we should be here this morning? To see the error of our way and the things that God is not okay with so that we can change us and become what He means for us to be. So he says here to get in his word, abide in his word, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There ain't too many of us that are actually looking for the truth, Nick. That's just a fact. We're in here trying to make God believe the lies that we've been told. So he says, remain in my word. Gird yourself. Be ready with truth. The only way to do that, guys, listen, we got Sunday schools every morning that teach us the truth. The truth of the ways of Jesus Christ. That ought to be what our Sunday schools focus on. We ought to come in here with a purpose to say, I want my students to know a truth of Jesus Christ this morning so that they can gird their waist and be ready to stand against the lies of Satan and win. He goes on. He says, having put on... The breastplate of righteousness. So the first thing, abide in his word. Be ready with his truth. The next thing he says is the weapon to defeat the wiles of Satan. Put on righteousness. Don't walk like you used to walk. Paul actually says that Satan is trying to get us to go back to walking in the way the rest of the world walks. Just keep walking like you've always walked. Just keep living like you've always lived. You'll still be a Christian. No, you won't. How is it possible to be a Christian or a follower of Christ and follow the world? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do the things that I say? In other words, don't deceive yourselves in thinking, I'm a Christian. I'm walking with Christ, yet I'm following the world. It's not possible. Can I be straight with you this morning? It's not possible. You can't follow Christ and walk deeper in sin. You can't. It's not possible. So he says, the weapon for this to fight against falling and going back to your old ways, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put off the old man. Put on the new man that is created, not one that you build. The new man is created as he renews your mind and shows you the ways of Christ and then you put on the righteousness of Christ and you walk in his ways and he who endures to the end shall be saved. So he tells us the weapon to fight against Satan's deception to go back and continue walking like we've always walked, you've got to make sure you're putting on righteousness in your life. If you're not putting on righteousness, and y'all listen to me, all y'all who got friends out there that you're running with, good running buddies. If you look at the fruit of their life and they are not producing righteousness, get away from them.
I don't care how close you are to them, get away from them. Get away from them and you yoke yourself up with a friend who's traveling the same path you are in righteousness. But this morning, I want to go to one that I believe is one of the most important weapons you can have. Verse 15, he says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What in the world does peace have to do with fighting in war? I thought peace was meant when war was over. That's when peace comes in. But he says here, shod your feet with the preparation, or I believe this word is more correctly translated to read readiness. Readiness, I believe here again we're talking about girding and the same process. Having shod your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Let me just walk this thing out like I believe I see it. Today, he tells you to shod your feet. Now, if I'm correct, feet are for moving from one place to the other, correct? That's the purpose of feet, to get you from here over there. So he says here, shod your feet or get ready to move. Get ready to move and here's what you should be ready to move with, the preparation or the readiness of the gospel of peace. So the question I have for you this morning, how does being ready to move with the gospel of peace help us to withstand or stand against the wiles of Satan. Because that's what all this is about, right? Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand. So how does being ready to move with the gospel of peace protect you from the wiles of Satan? That was what I developed my whole message around. And here's what I come up with. To answer this question, I want to look at first, what is the gospel of peace? If we're supposed to be ready to move with it, well, what is it? What is the gospel of peace? So look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and you can hold your place in Ephesians 6 if you want to. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. Remember, the question is, what is the gospel of peace? There are some key words I need you to pay close attention to in here to understand where I'm going. Or more importantly, where God's taking you. Beginning in verse 19 of Colossians chapter 1. Listen to this. For it pleased the Father. Alright, so something pleased Him, right? If that's the case, then it means that, that in the past He was displeased. But it pleased the Father that in Him, and it's talking about Christ, all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him. Now here's what you need to understand about this. There were two things that happened that pleased the Father. First thing I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail about, but the first thing is all the fullness dwelt in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go into that teaching this morning. That's not where I'm trying to go. I'm looking at the second thing that pleased God. The second thing that pleased God, by Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things to himself. Now the Father is who himself is here. So let me read it like this. By Jesus to reconcile all things to the Father by Jesus Christ. So here's what I need you to understand. The Father was unpleased with something, right? 
And because he was unpleased, there was something that was broken. How do I know it was broken? Because Jesus had to reconcile it. The word reconcile, this is what it means. To bring harmony where hostility once existed. Let me say that one more time just in case y'all didn't catch it. Reconcile means to bring harmony where hostility once existed. It means to bring, to reestablish a close relationship between. So keep reading with me in verse 21. He explains why you were, why we needed to be reconciled. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. He says the reason why you were separated from God and had to be reconciled is because you were alienated and enemies in your mind because of wicked works. Now here's the thing about it. How many of you would consider yourself to be a good person? I'm a good person. How many people have you ever heard say, um, say, well, I'm a good person. I mean, if I died today, I've been a good person. I haven't really done anything bad or anything wrong. Well, guess what? Your standard of good and God's standard of good, <laughs> way, way, way two separate standards. Let me just give you one quick example, real quick. Is there anybody in here that has never told a lie? No, I mean, just even a little white lie. Is there anybody? You've never told one. Come on, Carson. <laughs> You've never told a lie. No, everybody in here has told a, even just a little white lie of some kind. And if that is the case, you have just fell short of God's standard of goodness to the point that the price for that is death. That's what you owe. You just broke his law. You know how when you break the speed limit, you get a ticket and you pay a certain amount? Y'all understand where I'm at, right? Well, guess what? God has a law too. You broke his law. The price for his is a little more than a little bit of money, though. The price for his breaking his standard of goodness? Death. That's what you owe. In the fire. In the fire. That's right. He says, you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, which is something as simple as just a little white lie, according to the standard of God. He says, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you who were once alienated by wicked works, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Oh, Lord, if I could dance, I'd dance this morning. I can't, though. i got two left feet, so I ain't even going to try. Y'all laugh at me, and then it wouldn't be the glory of God, and what's the purpose, you know? So let me read that one more time just in case y'all didn't catch this. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death, to present you, to present you wicked people, he died to present you holy. He died to present you blameless. No blame whatsoever on you. And he died to present you above reproach in his sight. In all your wretchedness you stand in front of him and you are above reproach in his sight. And it is all because of him. So here's what I want to say. If we had to be reconciled, if peace had to be made for us because of our sin, that means that God was unhappy, right? He was displeased. He was full of wrath toward us. 
And Paul backs this up in Colossians chapter 3. Y'all go with me to Colossians 3, just two chapters over, beginning in verse 5. Because I need y'all to get this this morning. I know most of you already know this, but I want to refresh your memory with it. He backs up just how unhappy God was with us. Therefore, put to death the members of your flesh or the members of your unrighteousness, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, what's happening? The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That ought to scare you. I'm just being straight with you. That ought to scare you if you ain't under the peace of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of of disobedience. And look at verse 7. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. I want to remind you one more thing this morning. Romans 23 says that all have sinned. Guess what? You once walked in the wrath of God yourself. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to remind you of Romans 6.23 that says the wages of that sin is death. But I'm not just talking about a single bodily death here. If the worst thing that happens to us is the death of the body, we're going to be okay. That ain't the worst thing though. The wage for this thing, the Bible says, is a lake of fire. The second death. The second death is a lake of fire. When you think about God's wrath having to be fulfilled, you can think about Sodom and Gomorrah. What was left of that place when God got through with it? Ashes. Dust. When you think about God's wrath, you look at the flood of Noah. What was left when God got done with it? Only what God saved on the boat. In other words, when God's wrath is done with us, he says the eternal place is eternal death in a lake of fire where you never die. Every day you continually die. Just like you have eternal life in heaven, every day you just keep living. Guess what? In the lake of fire, every day you just keep dying. It's called the second death. It is the wrath of God. It is never-ending death. So what is the gospel of peace? Well, gospel means good news. Well, guess what? I've got good news this morning, and I ain't even called Geico to save no insurance. I got good news this morning. I got good news of peace. I've got good news to tell you that you who were under the wrath of God, who was a son of disobedience, I've got good news this morning to say that all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God can make a decision to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross. He paid the price that we owe. And now if we will put our faith and our trust in that sacrifice and say, God, I accept it by faith, just believing you. And we will confess him as Lord, not Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Ain't a whole lot wants a Lord. He says we confess him as Lord and we submit our lives to follow him and put on his righteousness, then we indeed shall be saved. And he brings us a gospel of Peace. 
He said in Colossians chapter 1, I think it was verse 23, that He made peace for us with the Father through the blood of His cross. So the good news this morning that I've got for you is this. That wrath of God, that eternal death that I'm telling you about, that never-ending torment that you better believe is real, guess what? You don't have to face it. I got good news. I got better than good news. I got great news. Jesus has paid your price. He has bought peace for you. And that is the good news or the gospel of peace that He says for you to be ready to move with. Now this is one that I want all of you to know. I am talking about evangelism this morning and I'm going to explain to you why that protects you from the wiles of Satan here in just a minute. I'm going to explain it to you. But I want you to to know one thing this morning. There ain't a single person in this building that is content with their witness in their life. There's not. I'm not content. You know, let me, let me just give you a perfect example. I was at work the other day. Me, two preachers sitting in the same building, me and Anthony Bledsoe. We're sitting there with our Bibles open and we're studying and we're talking about the Word and we're getting all excited and me and him both try to dance and can't neither one of us dance. But we both just, I mean, we just all excited and just, uh, I mean, just tickled at what God was showing us in the Word. And uh, we, we sit down, we started, we prayed together and then... One of the other workers come down. He comes up there every day, and he come down there, and and uh, he actually works in another department. But he he comes up there to see us sometimes, and he comes in and he sits down there with us. And uh, I had been messing with him before because he's been working out, and he's done got ripped on me. I mean, he's huge. He's just a little old skinny toothpick guy. Whenever he first started coming up there, and he actually using my my gym equipment that I don't ever use. So he's done got ripped with my equipment, and I grabbed his hand before he went upstairs. And to, to work out, and I grabbed his hand, and I, I shook it, and I just grabbed it real hard. I said, I said, buddy, you're feeling a little weak this morning. I think I can take you. I don't care how big you've got. I was just messing with him. Well, then he, he goes upstairs. He works out, and I guess he got to thinking about it while he's up there. He comes back downstairs, and right before he leaves, me and Anthony's in the middle of our thing, and he comes in. He says, I'm going to interrupt you all for just a minute, and I want to say this. He said, I know that I'm not in the good graces of God. At that moment, something stirred in me and said, ask him why not. Ask him why not. And I didn't. I just sit there. And as he said this, he said, but I've thought about it. If I come down here and beat up a preacher, I sure ain't going to be in the good graces of God. And me and Anthony just got tickled and we laughed and he walked right out the door and we didn't say a word. And I sit there for a minute And I saw Anthony lean back in his chair staring at the ceiling. And I said, Anthony, I want to know what you're thinking right now. Right now, what's going through your head? I want to know. He said, you know what's going through my head. I said, yeah, I do, because he told me the same thing. He told me whenever that young man looked at us and said, I'm not in the good graces of God, that all I had to do was ask him why. Do you know that you can be in the good graces of God? How simple was it for me to just open my mouth and say, you can be in the good graces of God. I stand before hundreds every Sunday morning and preach this stuff and one lost sinner comes into my workplace, comes to me. He comes to me. And he tells me that he's not in the good graces of God and I look at him and I say nothing. 
So let me explain to you this morning. When I talk about evangelism and the gospel of peace this morning, I want you to know none of us in this building are content with where we are in our evangelism. We're not. I can take you back to history and show you some of the greatest evangelists who on their deathbed actually made the statement, I only wished I hadn't missed the opportunities that I had missed. So I think about that this morning and I say to you, get ready to move with the gospel of peace. If you're not ready to move with it, get ready. You ought to be coming to me and your Sunday school teachers and saying, Pastor, teacher, I need to know how to show someone how to have peace with God. I need that in my life. That's what Paul is saying. He says, get your feet ready to move with the gospel of peace. I'm not saying this morning you got to be a preacher or I'm not saying this morning you got to be a traveling evangelist or a pastor or a teacher but I'm telling you if you're a Christian you ought to be able to stand in front of any lost soul and tell them how to have peace with God. If you can't then your weapon this morning is this. Get ready. Get ready to move with it. Whoever is ashamed of me before men guess what? I will be ashamed of him before my Father who is in heaven. Tough words, but it's truth. I'm in a straight mood this morning, which is what the man says. Here's the question I got. What does being ready to move with the gospel of peace have to do with Christians being able to withstand or just stand against the wiles of the devil? Let me ask that one more time. What does being ready to move with the gospel of peace have to do with Christians being able to withstand or just stand against the wiles of the devil? Number one. Number one. He blinds the minds of people to keep them from seeing truth in Christ. Here's his tactic. So I'm going to show you how this weapon defeats him he blinds the minds of people to keep them from seeing the truth in Christ he wants them to remain sons of disobedience because guess what the wrath of God is coming he knows war is on its way he knows and he's getting ready and he's getting prepared and he cannot lose you to the submission of God. So he wants you to remain a son of disobedience so he blinds you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. And you ain't got to turn there. I think Tim's got it. Whose minds the gospel, uh, whose minds the God of this age, or another word for that is Lucifer or Satan, whose minds the God of this age has what? He blinded them. Who do not believe, that's why they can't believe because he's got them blinded by all the things of the world. He's got them chasing after temporary things. He blinds you and he puts all these treasures and these jewels out there and he says, this is what it's all about. And he gets you chasing after this stuff and he keeps you blinded. He gets you to put your hope in the world. And the world is passing away and all the things of it. He says... They don't believe less, and here's why he blinds them, less the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. Look at verse 5. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. And look at verse 6. It's one of my favorite verses. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Basically what he's saying is this. The only reason you're not blinded anymore is because God shone a light on your sin. He showed you who you were according to his standard. And when he done that, he opened up the face of Jesus Christ and showed you how he expects you to live. So he says, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus Christ, we have the knowledge of the glory of God. So my, answer, my question is this, how does the gospel of peace, being ready to move with it, <coughs> help you withstand or just stand against the wiles of the devil? Well, here's the answer. The gospel of peace in Christ will shine light in their hearts freeing them from the wrath of God, defeating Satan, and setting captives free. This is the heart of the war. <laughs> this is the heart of the war. The war is all about who will you follow. That's what it boils down to. The war is who will be God. God most high or Lucifer. That's what it, basically, that's what it boils down to. You can make it whatever you want to be. The bottom line is, who will you follow? And he says here that the reason this tool or this armor defeats Satan is because it frees those who are blinded. It removes the blinders and it shows them the way. And when they begin to walk in it, guess what? They've just submitted to God and rejected the authority of Satan. We win. You set captives free. Number two of how does being ready to move with the gospel of peace have to do with Christians being able to withstand or stand. Number two, he works his works in the lives of these blinded minds and they don't even realize it. He works his works in the lives of these blinded minds and they don't even realize it. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Do you see that? He works his works through people like you. Through people like you used to be and you don't even know it. He works his works through the, through the cool kids who are just living life and doing what they're doing and, and they got people that look to them as examples and influences and guess what? He works his works in them by making them cool and by making them all, I'm speaking to the kids this morning or to the high schoolers. He works his works in the sons of disobedience and if indeed you shine the light of the glory of Christ in your life, they will no longer be blinded and guess what? He has one less to work in. Do you see that? The gospel of peace and being ready to move with it takes his workers away. And he has one less that he can work in. Al Cobb, he's got one less he can work in. One less that he can't work in anymore. Adam, he can't work in you no more. Uh-uh. He can still deceive you and try to make you fall, but he can't work his works in you anymore because you are following Jesus Christ. Do y'all see that? 
So my answer, the gospel of peace takes away his workers. Number three of how being ready to move with the gospel of peace has to do with Christians being able to withstand or just stand against the wiles of the devil. He plants these blinded minds in our paths to hinder us. Number three. He plants these blinded minds in your path to hinder you. Do you think it's coincidence that Anna had a roommate that was a model going with the same career she was going after? Do you think it was coincidence that she had a young lady in the room with her that says, if you're going to be successful, you've got to be more open? Do you think that was coincidence? Come on, guys. Nothing is coincidence. He planted that blinded mind. Now, her roommate don't even know that she's working for him. She don't even realize it. She just thinks she's doing her thing. That's just the way culture is. There's no big deal. Just be more open, Anna. That's all you've got to do. And the, she don't even realize that he is working through her, but he planted her there. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 36 through 43. This is Jesus explaining a parable that he told. He told a parable about a man who planted good seed in a field and wheat began to come up. But in the night, an enemy came and planted tares or weeds in the midst of this wheat. And when the farmer got up the next morning, he went and looked and there was wheat and tares all intertwined in one another. The enemy had planted it. So the disciples asked Jesus, explain what you mean by this parable. And here's how he explained it. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's y'all, correct? The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of who? The wicked one. Verse 39. The enemy who sowed them is who? He sowed them. He sowed these seeds in the midst of you. He puts them in your path. So I ask the question one more time. How does being ready to move with the gospel of peace protect you how does being ready to move with the gospel of peace make you be able to withstand or stand here's the answer the gospel of peace causes them to get on board with righteousness and thereby removes the hindrance from our walk guess what when the gospel of peace comes you just converted a tear into wheat and they're no longer in your midst as a tear now they are wheat they're no longer a hindrance but guess what we just trying to make it we just a bunch of wheat that we just trying to hang on and not let the tares tear us down. Why don't you start converting some of these tares? Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples. Go ye therefore, make more wheat. But instead, we just trying to make it. We just trying to hang on. So Paul says, if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, you've got to shod your feet you got to be ready to move with the gospel of peace. Now, if we have to put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand or withstand, how many of you are in danger of falling this morning? Shod your feet. 
Get ready to move with the gospel of peace. Get ready to open your mouth when your worker comes in and says, I'm not in the good graces of God. Just open your mouth with boldness and say, why not? Do you know that you can be? I've got a gospel. I've got good news of peace. The wrath of God is coming. And it's coming upon all the sons of disobedience. But I've got good news of peace. And it comes in Jesus Christ. Confess your sins. Give your life to Him. Make Him Lord. Confess Him as Lord. Begin to put on His righteousness. Walk in His path. And you will be saved. The peace with God is good news. It is the best news that we have ever been delivered. It is to all mankind to bring them joy, to bring them hope, and we keep it to ourselves. Finally, go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 15 again. This is my closing. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, faith, God will deliver him into my hand today. Not by my power. This week I made a declaration every morning when I got up and prayed. I said, God, today I want to walk in righteousness. Today I want to walk in righteousness. And I want you to know something. Aside from that big missed opportunity at work, I did a pretty good job just being straight with you this morning. I can't say that every week. This week, I was sober. I was vigilant. I saw all the devil's things that he was trying to throw at me. My eyes were open. I saw the commercials that would come on, the, the Carl's Jr. Hardy's commercials. Oh, they got them all about sex today. I saw it when it come on, and I said, that ain't of God. Click. That ain't of God. Click. Let's just go on and move on. Case over. This is not what I'm about. This is not where we go. I'm on a different path. And I choose a different way. Normally, I would just sit there and I'd have let the devil tell me that lie. Ah, you can't even watch a TV station today without seeing that on there. It ain't no big deal. You know, to some extent, that's true. However, it don't give me permission to sit there and watch it. It just don't. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So stand therefore, be ready, gird your waist with truth, put on righteousness and get your feet ready to move with the gospel of peace so that you can get in this battle and begin to gain ground on him. I ask you this, first and foremost, has the gospel of peace been received by you or are you still walking the way you've always walked? If that is the case, confess him as Lord and begin to put on his righteousness. Trust in his sacrifice by faith to pay for your sin debt and you will be saved.
That's a promise no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. But if you have not received that gospel of peace, this morning is your morning to come to me and just simply say, I need peace with God because I don't have it. If that's you, I want to see you this morning. My second thing, Christians, how prepared are you to fight in this battle? Have you put on the whole armor of God? We've only been through three pieces. How many of you are abiding in His Word so that you can know the truth and be set free? How many of us spend more time on TV and, and, and outdoors and all kind of other things instead of searching out the truths of God? How prepared are you to fight with truth? Are you ready with truth? How prepared are you for this battle? Are you seeking the truth of Jesus to be set free from the lies of Satan that try to deceive you? Are you putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ to move forward in the new man? Or are you still going backward with the old? Did I give you a scripture from Jeremiah? I know I'm running over, but I don't care. Jeremiah, did I give you that? Look at this. This is God speaking. But this is what I commanded them saying, Obey my voice. And I will be your God. And you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you. That it may be well with you. Go to verse 24. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. But followed the counsels and the dictates of their what? Evil hearts. And they went backward and not forward. My question to you this morning, Christians, are you putting on righteousness and moving forward? Or are you still going backwards by following your own heart's desires? If that is the case, you're doing the same thing Israel did all those years and you are not walking in His righteousness. You are choosing to walk in the world and in your own evil hearts. And I'm going to tell you, you are a son of disobedience. That's just the truth this morning. That's just straightforward. But if indeed you are putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you may still be making mistakes, but you're moving forward. You're putting on His righteousness, and you're going forward. So are you putting on righteousness this morning to move forward in the new man, or are you still going backward with the old man? Are you making your feet ready and being prepared to move with the gospel of peace? I'm not saying you have to become a pastor or a traveling evangelist, but you have to be prepared to set captives free with the gospel of peace. If you're not putting this armor on, you will probably be knocked down and you will probably fall. And it is very possible that you may not endure to the end and you may not be saved. It's possible. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand. God has provided you with every tool that you need and they're not hard to use. It was so simple for me to just open my mouth, Nick, and say, why are you not in the good graces of God? How simple is that? God even told me what to say. All I had to do was open my stupid mouth. How many more times have I opened my mouth and let stupid fall out? I went stupid. Just fell out on the ground. But yet the one time wisdom wants to come out, I say, not today. I'm not giving you rocket science here. Putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ is as simple as knowing His ways and just doing it. That's it. It's not, it's not hard. 
Walking in truth is as simple as just letting God teach you through Sunday schools and through lessons and through all the different ways. It's not that hard. He don't expect you to learn the whole Bible. Learning to move with the gospel of peace is not that hard. If we just make it a priority in our life and put on this armor, where do you stand in the armor of God this morning? If you stand this morning, I encourage you to talk to the Lord between you and Him. I pray you leave here this morning with a peace of mind. If you have not received the gospel of peace, don't leave here this morning without coming. Taking my hand and just telling me, I don't have peace with God. And if you do that, I will give you the good news of peace.